Welcome back to Good to Geek Out. Good place to go to geek out. We're geeking out and we're going with Invincible, episode six, called You Look Kind of Dead. Editor, San Antonio. I think that's about relationships. So, reverse ramble, Washington. Boba Fresh, San Francisco. Yay. Liu Kang is dead from Los Angeles, California. All right. Um, so this episode <laughs> starts out with um, basically a frat dude just being a jerk. And if you listen closely, you might recognize who that frat dude is. Anyone recognize who that was? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Uh, it was the, bur- the burping was a big hint. I felt like now that I'm thinking about him, like there was something familiar about him. I don't I don't think I remember who it was. The guy from uh, Bob's Burgers? Nope. Got a guess, Jay? Hey, which frat do you talk about? Uh, the Was first it guy, the frat guy, when he's talking to the three girls, the three girls at the very beginning, and he's like, I'm a hedge fund kid. I have a big inheritance coming up. You want to sleep with me? And he's all drunk in the bushes. Oh. Was it the, was it Bender? The same dude did Bender? Clo- no, that's a good guess, though. And then he ends up becoming the first cyborg, of course. It was uh, uh, Justin okay. Roiland. It was fucking Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. But when you hear that first burp, like, why does that burp sound familiar? And then okay, when he- that's where the voice, yeah, the voice is from, it's from uh, the cable networks, uh, the intergalactic cable network. Because yeah. I, like, I was trying to place it. There you go. Good, good call. Yes. And we also get the introduction of the villain for this episode, D.A. Sinclair, just a straight up uh, mad scientist, I feel, right? This guy's just a mad scientist that thinks he's helping society somehow by uh, eliminating humans imperfections but he's just creating monsters like that's classic i thought it was was like da sinclair i'm like district attorney okay all right man anyone know anyone know who the voice of sinclair was no and i don't fucking watch cartoons to fucking think about humans (laughs) i don't know ezra miller he was the justice league flash I like this episode because it was a college episode. It this felt like a Spider-Man episode that I enjoyed, which is again I don't like Peter Parker, but I like the fact that Peter Parker grew up, and that they always have to kind of he's the hard reset more than Tony or anyone else. I, I look at Peter as the hard reset for Marvel, um, and they do a great coming of age story of like they handle the the tension of the love drama between the awkwardness of teenagers trying to like, uh, uh, ooh, that, that feeling when you're in a relationship that young. Um, I think that they did a great job with the friend being in a gay relationship without like making it like a big thing and like, oh, well, we're so proud of you for being out of the closet and all this. It was just like, all right, cool. Like, here we go. Like, which is very fucking kids nowadays. Like, they're, I don't give a, like, why are we even talking about it? This is a ridiculous, issue um so it was just beautifully progressive and real in that way and um then it gets silly and not to like this was the most batman animated series that i felt like this has kind of gotten the, the whole sewers and underground and 
in the coloring and the lighting, um, the stakes, like how high the, the stakes are. Um, all in all, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it, this was a fun episode in a very heavy series. I mean, I, I agree. I had that on my notes about the Spidey thing. Like Spidey at uh, EU is our fun stories. They're good. He's not so much of a kid. Like I said, he's grown up. It's nice to see him in a different environment. And then uh, also those sewer scenes felt, felt like Spider-Man to me, except for the fact that was immediately when he touched the water, that reminded me. But then he flew over it, so then it was less Spidey-like. Hey, Ed, did it remind you of when Spidey was fighting a lizard? Of course. <laughs> first, the first episode of the 90s Spider-Man animated series. Fighting a lizard, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I agree. It, did, it does give you that, like, classic animated series vibe. I'm not a fan of, like, I get it. You know, I get the need of, like, filler episodes and, you know, all that. I, I'm not, I guess because of where I am in my life, I'm not interested in, like, seeing teenagers do teenage shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have two of them. I have two of them myself, and it's kind of like... You know, I don't know. It's just I'm not there right now, you know, so it's just kind of like what else is out there? So any episodes where it's like heavy on the teenage melodrama stuff, I think that's why I have like a short fuse for like anime. I just can't do like the melodrama stuff. Yeah. Um. So I just I really didn't think this episode was that great. It was definitely like I, you know, definitely agree that it was more throwback, though. Absolutely. I just don't think I had that much fun with it. I was just like, ah, this thing is. I do dig that the, they did the gay thing without pandering, though, or, like, being really ham-fisted about it. It's just like, hey, man, yeah, let's go see this dude. And it's like, I like how they they just played it straight. They just didn't fucking sit there like, oh, my God, make a big Literally. deal out of it. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, just, like, imply on D.A. Sinclair's, like, alpha male. You're quite the yeah. It's, it's it's a lot. It's a lot like an '80s horror movie from that angle. Yeah. Like the Mad Scientist. I watch a lot of '80s, '70s horror. That's like a easy trope of someone experimenting or you know uh, tearing people apart and trying to make reanimating. You know whatever you want to pick. Um, but be okay. But beyond, I do feel like this this whole episode is about relationships, different ones between different people. And so it does feel like a filler episode that way because it doesn't move forward, but it does give us a lot of background. Um, but we also get the aftermath of the fight, right? We got a uh, monster girl passed out with a um, robot tending to her, will not leave her side, which is, I don't know if that's creepy or sweet. Um, and then you have Mark's parents fighting over him about, you know, did you know that he was doing this and how much did you let happen? And this is our son. And, you're starting to see the beginning of the rift there. And uh, I don't know, man. It was uh, – who was – oh, and then Black Samson gets his powers back randomly. Nice. That's the opposite of what you expect for a black hero. Jay, you know, when I saw that scene, I, I immediately thought of you and talking about doing a Black Samson cosplay because what you do is you go to the first half of the convention with your armor on – and then you go to the second half of the convention, <laughs> powered up. Uh, that's dope. That is fucking dope. I like you, man. I knew it was something. <laughs> <laughs> I like you too, Jay. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna work on that. But that, yeah, but that got me hyped right there. Um, as far as the episode is concerned, um, I thought it was great character development. 
for the mark. Um, I feel where you're coming from, Rambo, as far as like uh, you know, tired of seeing teenage stuff. You see so much of it on TV nowadays. It's like I don't want to see this anymore. I, I think that they did a great job again establishing a the coming of age aspect of this. Like this is paralleling his powers coming. Uh, to fruition and he's going to school with his dad and things keep going sideways and and all this other stuff um but yeah i don't want to watch riverdale and it's yeah. nothing, nothing against fans of riverdale that's just not my jam you know um, stay out of riverdale so they do a good job uh keeping the pacing going with this one for it being i agree glenn like relatively a filler episode because there's no dynamic change but this is the one where the tailor breaks down with debbie the suit right oh yeah yeah and yeah that now you want to talk about again great dialogue great atmosphere and that motherfucker's acting because you can hear how scared he is in his voice acting and like he's like uh, yeah you know i want to tell you this uh he is like like you put him in such an uncomfortable position right like it, 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 I really, it, he really did resonate from, from with me because it's like there's been moments in my career where it's like I know what I gotta do and I know what's the right thing to do, but I don't want to do it because I shouldn't want to do it, but I have to do it, right? Like yeah. it's, it, it just, it felt so dope because he's like, like you know, he's scared, bro. He's like, you know, I don't want to tell you this not only for her sake, but because like, hey man, self preservation. This is the most powerful motherfucker on the planet right now, and what I'm about to tell you is serious fucking shit right like and then and then of course like once that scene was over and then the next scene bro the next time you see him when when they're drinking on the roof or like, like when he shows up with that six pack uh, yeah bro i was like that whole scene was i had my my stomach in my throat i was like come on don't kill the tailor bro not the tailor dog like he didn't do nothing <laughs> he just did what like I saw myself in him. I was like, he was just doing what he thought was right, bro. I didn't. I didn't know that opening a beer could be done maliciously until that scene. Yeah. I thought that was always a cause for celebration as a beer opener. <laughs> I didn't know it could be a bad thing like that. God, man, I, I, I it was just really, uh, one of the few bright points in like an otherwise kind of like just like like I said filler episode where I I just felt like all right, this is kind of like a tense moment in this episode where it's like, oh my god, like. Like, he's going to kill him. He's like, why wouldn't he? He's an insignificant insect, bro. Why wouldn't he do it? And then the relief when it's just, like, all over and he kind of just ends it positively, I was like, God, you know, like, there's there's it, hope. It, it <laughs> there's really hope. had, like, it had basically, like, a mobster putting on the pressure on, like, a small, you know, restaurant owner or something. Like, it had, like, that, like, you yeah. know, hey, everything is cool, right? I it would be horrible for something to happen to this beautiful place. You know, like it was a, it was a, yeah. I know, you know, you know, I know situation where, again, Omni-Man doesn't have to play these games. So it's interesting that he cares enough to do so because he cares about Debbie and he wants to know yeah. how much Debbie knows. So that way he can come at her and be like, yo, like, Again, I think he thinks that he can get her on his side. And his he can side, yeah. Explain himself. So, like before before we get into the college tour, which is going to kind of dominate this episode, I feel we do also get a nice side story of Adam Eve, 
kind of uh, leaving her parents yeah. on her own and uh, just living in the forest. Like there's some kind of like a uh, nice Wicca yeah. white witch analogy right there of her just living in the forest and making a place up there and it being like comfortable and beautiful and uh, her just following her um, her impetus, following her bliss, do what she feels is right. And we see her doing all these quote unquote beneath you jobs that Omni-Man would talk about. And it's just, you know, stopping an avalanche from killing two people or helping someone's crops that aren't going. Little things that do make a difference, but you don't really see quote unquote superheroes helping these types of people. Yeah, and then I, I like I we were, I was watching with my kids and I told my son, I was like, look at her doing her thing, like what makes her happy and stuff and all that stuff. Like she's being a hero, not because it's glamorous, because it's the right thing to do. And then I was just like, I think they're gonna kill her. <laughs> I think they're gonna kill her in the next two episodes, bro. I think she's done. Like they're making me care too much about her, man. Like they did this to me with Red Rush, and I don't like it. <laughs> oh, you got PTSD. Yeah, man. I was like, they're gonna offer, man. I'm not gonna get close to her. <laughs> I'm close to her already. Honestly, I like Eve. You a sucker it. for a pretty face, though. That's why. Well, no, I'm just playing. Oh, I'm a sucker for red. <laughs> oh, for redheads. Redheads. Oh, okay. Gene Summers, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I love Gene. Yeah, I love Mary Jane, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a sucker for redheads. Not like Wolverine in the sense. Like, I'm not going to take nobody woman. But, like, he would. But, no, I'm a sucker for redheads. But, anyway. <laughs> no, but, yeah, you're a fan? Um, Eve, the, the reason why, the reason why I would say that Eve you know, I, I kind of agree with Eve because listen, Eve suffered, Eve suffered abuse. Like the way her, the way her father talks to her, you know, I can understand like that type of, you know, abuse. You know, I like relate to it. So it's to the point where it's like, you know what, you can't live your life. This is some some things. I'm not saying all parents do, but sometimes parents, you know, they want to live vicariously to the kids and because when you know stuff that they want to do they couldn't do it so they want their kids to do it so it's just like well no dad i don't want to do what you want me to do i want to do what i want to do well it was just a more of a way like just reveling out the reason why i don't think she's gonna die i disagree with you rambo is because seeing her character and i'm like okay i see what's going on here it has to do a lot with mark and amber and I will say for one that I don't agree with Mark and Amber. I will say that Mark and Amber, the way their relationship is, that shit reminds me of Peter and Felicia Hardy. I'm sorry. Amber is just fake. Like, she's just fake, period. She's just bad for that dude. Uh, but to get to the, uh, I want to talk about the Eve being proactive with her powers, I think is a huge thing, especially. Yeah. Um, in light of uh, Winter Sol uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier just ending and it being a huge part of Falcon talking to Bucky about, you know, like you're just avenging, you know, like you have to do it, be a service to people. And so you see that parallel with Eve here of making that switch of like, well, what are we doing as superheroes just waiting for aliens to invade when like, again, she can like change crops. Uh, it reminded me, I'm gonna drop it into the, I'm gonna drop it in the chat for the people at home. Um, there was a comic in the 80s called Heroes Against Hunger uh, that DC put out 
and it was like all the proceeds went to Ethiopia. It was part of the Hands Across America uh, thing. And the, 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 every page is uh, drawn by a different artist. Like it's, it's pretty cool. The story is, is all through. But, but the whole thing is like people come up to Superman. They're like, why the, could you stop fighting Lex Luthor and like make it rain somewhere? Can you like divert a river? over here could you like uh batman you've got billions of dollars could you do anything except for make a a, a jet that looks like a bat when there's a ton of jets that already exist you need a jet that bad so um so those are just yeah, really but you can't be batman rolling onto the crime scene in a fucking cessna bro <laughs> exactly yeah. they're gonna be able to track that but uh so i think that they do a great job with eve being proactive and and really, and I don't want to undercut the importance of her against setting healthy boundaries and being like, I can't be around my dad. Like, I mean, you, you know, we, I didn't think about it until right now. Eve comes from a, an abusive home with a caring mother that parallels Marx exactly. Hmm. So they understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, yeah, when we spoke about the abuse part, that that's why I, I I agree with you, Robin. Um, you know, I yeah. kind of understand. I mean, I mean, I and I think kind of what you're saying, Jay, too, is that him and Amber are like a more superficial high school thing, and that him and um, Adam Eve is a little bit more, uh, a little deeper than that, like more of an adult uh, connection. That's it's why not, you don't agree with it. You're not used to that puppy love shit anymore. It's been a long time. It's not. No, no, yeah, that's true, dog. So back to the tour of Upstate U best generic name for a university i thought i thought e what's the spider-man one ecu what does it stand for em, em, empire u eu oh eu that's right empire you just like doing the butt eu doing the butt so back to the so this university is you you yeah yeah uh, exactly the kid uh his best friend actually wears a sweater they have trojan colors first of all and they wear us mm -hmm. he wears a, a sweater that just has two u's like that look like kind of like a w <laughs> so, um yeah so you know they're pretty much doing the whole montage of annoying puppy love that i'm sure jay loves and then here comes the cyborg that was once doug AKA Rick and Morty. Uh, hey, once again, bro. Once again, you know, like but invincible, invincible puts invincible puts up a fight, but gets his ass fucking beat. <laughs> so, so you're saying, like, instead of the cutscene saying invincible, just say anything but, and then just blur. anything but, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man! Every time I start rooting for this kid, I was like. Man, he's just getting his ass beat, bro. Like, God damn, man. All right. All right. Well, that's the thing I didn't understand. And maybe you guys have, like, a, a theory to this. Why was he able to be so, like, affected by these guys? You know what? I just, I just assumed that DA was that smart. Yeah, I think that they were just, you know, well, again, like, they, they have no central nervous system, right? Like, they don't feel the pain that they're putting their bodies through. They're a hundred percent all in, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, and I think that getting into the college, the cyborg fight was was dope. It definitely shows the. I thought the, those dudes are way too overpowered. They they seem to be way too overpowered yeah. for what was going yeah. on. 
but that's the only way you can kind of like up the ante on on keeping it interesting um and and again this dude's doing this in a sewer it's pretty impressive yeah yeah not just that he's doing this in a sewer but to get all of that equipment down into a sewer and no one notices <laughs> on the campus. It's that suspension of disbelief of those old ass animated shows, bro. Like, right. how'd they do it? Who gives a shit? He's down here, man. <laughs> how did he know the limit to Vulture Might's strength to the point where he incorporated that into his robots to the point where those, that, that cyborg alone would beat the crap out of eventually? Like, did he I don't think he knew that. I don't think he, he that was his intent. His intent wasn't to fight Invincible necessarily. His intent was to build like an amalgamation of like humans and robots, right? The perfect human. It's, it's, it's yeah. The perfect human in, in use, in, you know, in conjunction with technology. Not necessarily to beat Invincible. That's just coincidental. I, I, I think it was a trial run. It was coincidental. Yeah, it was a coincidental trial run successful and, and it know, wasn't I even think, a trial run because that thing in my opinion i was pretty sure that it just broke out and it was on the it run. did break out yeah and that's why it when it sees out. its face and they, they did a great job with the whole body horror aspect of uh, yeah. of him like jumping and, and fucking jumping on the sundial and, and yeah. himself to death i was just like oh sh like, yeah that shit. last shot of him just resting on it Oof. yeah that was really good well done <laughs> We do get a side of uh, the robot, robot, sorry, with the Mahler twins and mm -hmm. uh, seeing what's going on over there, obviously creating some type of uh, organism, body, a clone. We don't really know what it is, um, but it's interesting. Robot is, uh, I, when I first saw Robot, I thought he was like, you know, Cliff Steele robot, the way he looked. And I thought he was going to be similar. He's very, very different. Very different. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, no, I think that I personally enjoy and don't expect the the robot sideline subplot is one of the best subplots that they can be because it doesn't seem to make sense. And they wouldn't put it in there if it didn't matter. They wouldn't ask all these animators to draw it if it didn't matter. And so... Um, Again, you get a little injection of comedy. Although, again, um, I, I think is his best friend's name Billy. Uh, Rick. His best friend. Oh, his, his best friend is a great comedy. Oh writer. no, I'm sorry, w William. William, yeah. Okay. William, yeah, that's William. Uh, yeah, William is a great comedy relief throughout the <clears throat> episode, um, throughout the series, really. But he really fucking shines in this episode. The robot subplot was is basically needed. Like, I kind of get it because. On one end, you see the main plot being Omni Man and his Vulture Mike plan to take over the world. But that subplot, what you don't see is Robot may be a bigger threat. No, and that's what I think that they've done a great job seeding from the beginning. As soon as uh, Robot gets the part in the Guardians, and you just like, he's like, something just is clicking in there. And you just don't know what he's up to because he's a robot. You're just like, oh, like he's got some unhuman. Uh, motive going beyond this but the fact that he now is obviously displaying some kind of caring uh for monster girl ends up showing like you know there's something going on with his programming that isn't that isn't just a robot and so they do a great job this is the c plot line 
Yeah. <laughs> They've got two <laughs> other extremely strong plot lines going, and yeah. this is the C plot line. And that is still an interesting story that could take on a lot of other shows that I've watched first lines, first plots. So I, I feel like the last fight with Rick uh, as the cyborg and the whole team of cyborgs beating him down in the sewers, which, by the way, did look exactly like Spider-Man versus the lizard. And uh, it's it was just kind of anticlimactic. It wasn't like a lot of the other fights that we've seen. But I think where the real climax was is the aftermath of the episode. Mm-hmm. And you see how everyone is um, uh, kind of sitting in the aftermath of whatever has transpired in this episode, which doesn't seem like much to us. But if you look at it through the character's eyes, each one of them is either really sad and down, whether it's uh, Mark or William trying to cope with what just happened with the cyborgs. And he lost, he basically lost a... Uh, Oh yeah, they go to that dude's room to sleep. That dude's yeah, dead. I don't think yeah, he's, he's house. fucking gone, bro. <laughs> go home. Go the fuck home. Shit. The tour is not happening tomorrow. Go home. <laughs> um, uh, you get the Debbie versus Nolan fight starting, and uh, what else? Adam and Adam Eve is the only person who is happy and lays down in a bed and is just like my day is good I, and that's obviously to reflect on the choices everyone has made throughout this episode she's the only one that followed her gut followed her bliss followed her heart and here she is at the end of the day no one to go home to quote unquote no one clapping cheering her name but she lays down with a smile on her face whereas no one else does i think that's a great <clears throat> metaphor um no what i what i like about this one too is that like, not only did he fail as a superhero for the most part, um, he's failing in, like, his relationship. So he's failing at being, like, he, this kid cannot get a fucking win to save his life, bro. Like, it's, it's like, I'm really starting to feel for him because it's, like, it's, it's the incentive. Like I, like, I saw my son, like, I was like, I think the drive to not be invincible is starting to weigh on him. We're just like, yo, like, I'm not even that good at this shit, bro. Like, He's not saving a whole ton of lives. He's getting fucked up left and right with his robots by anybody, really, with the will. <laughs> and then, um, and then like his relationship's done, right? Like it's 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 blowing up in his face. And it's like he really liked this girl. He really liked the idea of going to the university and being there and being with her and stuff, and really kind of enjoying that idea of like normal life, right? Like I think he's starting to kind of think like the idea of being a superhero was dope, but that's not what he wanted. You know, he wanted to be like his dad, but is that really what he wanted as a person, right? He really wants, it seems to me like he wants to be with this girl, have a normal kind of life and just go from there. But, you know, is he can't, can't even have that shit now. So it's like, what's what the fuck is next for him, you know? It's just, I just think it's funny. This kid cannot catch a break. That's where the Spider-Man factor comes in at. That's what, like, you know, he's going through hard times you know peter parker had the same thing you know he had to be spider-man but every time he wanted to date he ran out on him he was like oh where'd you go peter oh i'm not gonna date you anymore because you ran out on your dates and that's the same thing he's starting to pick up that thing here now i will say this look i feel for the guy when it comes to the whole relationship thing i don't think that was his fault but as far as him getting his ass beat i can't (laughs) 
man. You get beat up, man. Or train, you gotta do some Vegeta Dragon Ball Z stuff right there, man. You know, you chose his life. You chose his life. So I'm like, man, you get beat up, man. I, I feel for him, yeah. I mean, you're not gonna win every fight. Nobody wins every fight, nobody's unstoppable. So, you know, I just but his name him. is invincible. <laughs> you have to but you you it's also not even, it's not even winning the fight. It's you, you get your ass beat and, and like you know, finish the fight. He is getting the fights finished for him. He's getting finished in the fights. And his name is Invincible. That's yeah. what I think is fucking funny. Like, it's not that I expect him to win every fight. Nah, that, that would make an uninteresting character. But <laughs> what I love is that he picked the worst fucking name for himself, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was, uh, we talked a lot more about that episode than I thought we would. I guess we found some interest in the filler, quote unquote, filler episode. Um, the different perspectives help, one. man. I can't wait for the next one. I know it. I know it's happening. Oh, dude, the next one. Next two. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. On that note, San Antonio editor out and fuck you, Nolan. <laughs> this is reverse Rambo from Washington. Luke Cage wasn't that bad. <laughs> and you know what? Mortal Kombat sucks because Luke Cage wasn't the main character. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Boba Fresh. I'm either coming at you with some philosophical shit or some bullshit. <laughs> I stay on my bullshit every day. One, and I give Titan the props. Titan, way better than Luke Cage. Luke Cage, take notes from Titan. You need to be more like him. From Los Angeles, California. Peace out.